The opinions expressed in this podcast are individual and are not necessarily representative of Spirit Live or Toronto Metropolitan University. Welcome racing fans to another thrilling episode of F1 Mailbag Madness. I'm Alexa and I'm here to dive headfirst into the high octane world of Formula One alongside my fantastic co-host Marshall Crocker. That's right Alexa, I'm Marshall, your fellow Formula One enthusiast and I can't wait to unpack all the excitement, the drama and all the adrenaline pumping moments that this incredible sport has to offer. Well, if you're new to the show, Mailbag Madness, this is where we bring you the latest in Formula One news, dissect the most exhilarating races and share our in-depth analyses on the drivers, teams, and everything else that makes Formula One the pinnacle of motorsport. That's not all, folks. We also have something special in store for you. This show is all about you, our fantastic audience. We're going to throw open the doors to our virtual mailbags. You can send in your questions, comments, and insights. That way we can answer your burning questions and share your opinions on the air. So whether you're a diehard F1 fanatic or just dipping your toes into the world of racing, Mailbag Madness is the podcast that's got it all. From the twists and turns of the track to the inside scoop on the personalities and stories behind the helmets, we're your one-stop shop for all things Formula One. So buckle up and get ready for a wild ride through the world of Formula One. This is Mailbag Madness. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of Mailbag Madness as we introduce ourselves in the intro. My name's Alex. I'm here with Marshall Crocker. Marshall, how's it going today, man? It's going going pretty well for a Friday. Love uh, love being here. Love getting some F1 excitement up before this weekend's race. Yeah, we got a crazy race this week. I'm expecting um, some unexpected surprises, which we'll get into later. But I guess for starters, Marshall, talk about your experience with Formula One. I know you're a much longer fan than I am. I think you started watching the sport when you were five years old, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's what you told me, right? Yeah, that's right. So I, uh, I've had a pretty long tenured, uh, you know, relationship with racing, uh, not just as a fan, but as a driver as well. I, I started karting when I was uh, six years of age. So I was involved in the karting series for scene for about 12 years. Um, but in that time, I was huge into Formula One as kind of my primary series. I started following in 2008, just before the uh, the regulations changed uh, at the end of the 2000s into the 2010s. So I saw the first big year of Braun GP. I saw all the way through the Red Bull dominance into the Mercedes dominance back into the Red Bulls dominance. So it's come a long way. And I've seen the sport kind of grow and I'd like to learn about the history in addition to the present day. But I would definitely say this is probably the most fun era of uh, of racing we've had, at least in terms of, um, you know, driver competition and talent. But I know, Alexa, you're a lot newer. You've kind of jumped out of the series as of late uh, with the recent push through like Drive to Survive and a lot of people's new interests. So what's your experience been like this year? So my experience started in March. I woke up on a Sunday morning and I turned on Jetta and I thought to myself, I'm like, let me finally get into the high-octane world of Formula One, as I mentioned in the intro. And it was a pretty decent race, I would say. Um, I guess any race that Max Verstappen doesn't win is a decent race in my books, at least in 2022 and 2023. The winner of that race was actually Sergio Perez, who we're actually going to get into first in our first ever episode of Mailbag Madness. So unverified reports from a Reddit user suggest Red Bull has informed Perez that his contract will not extend into 2024 prompting Perez and his team to contemplate his future in F1 amidst a notably challenging season for the for the Mexican driver. So with limited available slots, as we know, Williams, I think, has the only uh, available seat right now, given that Logan Sargent hasn't extended his contract with, with the team. And his reputation allegedly impacted by recent performances, options for Perez's continuance elsewhere in F1 appear constricted despite the potential allure of his sponsorship package. 
Now, the narrative indicates that Paris, considering his expansive career and growing family, is leaning towards concluding his F1 journey, with an announcement speculated to be slated for the Mexican Grand Prix, which is next weekend. Sergio Perez says he has been laughing at rumors suggesting he could announce his retirement from Formula One at next weekend's Mexican Grand Prix, and insists he is 100% sure of remaining with Red Bull next season. Now, I know his agent also cleared up the rumor as well, stating that Perez is not planning on retiring at his home Grand Prix, and various reports have come out stating that the rumor is completely false and that Perez intends on driving for Red Bull in 2024 unless his contract is terminated. Now, Marshall, you've been waiting all week to talk about this. I know you have some high opinions on how Sergio Perez has been performing this season. Now, we'll jump into the question right away, and I'm going to start with you first. How much of this story do you believe? And do you think Perez should retire considering he has shown an inability to compete with Max and challenge for a title despite being in equal machinery? Well, I think the interesting angle that people have taken with this story and the way they've considered it is looking at it from Perez's perspective and going, okay, well, you know, his time in, in Formula One for years, he was known as the uh, the scrappy underdog, the guy that was outperforming his equipment through the uh, the Force India, then Racing Point years. He was always doing better than expected, including his win at Secure uh, a couple of years back. But I think since, since he's come to Red Bull, the narrative has completely shifted and now he's seen as, you know, the guy that is not just being trounced by Max, but is really underperforming his equipment. And I think the, the idea idea that by retiring he would kind of stop the bleeding on that uh you know hurt lack of credibility he has now because of how much he struggled this year i think that's an interesting tack to take but i think being realistic i just don't see um i don't see that being the narrative in formula one at least not for a driver that's raced as many years as he has because to, to race all those years in, a, in, in insufficient machinery, you have to build up kind of a hunger, you know, that, that will to get better. And I, I don't think Perez has hit the point in his career yet um, where he's really given up, especially considering how good Verstappen is. And again, as you mentioned, being P2 in the Drivers' uh, Championship, it hasn't been a good year. It, he hasn't looked good. I mean, missing Q3 as many times as he has in top machinery, um, I, I think is just is brutal. And I, I think the only clarification I think we need to make, and I personally, uh, I don't think he will leave. Um, I think that... In a, in, a, in a sport of, you know, PR being as kind of uh, up in the air, drivers don't tend to give definitive answers how definitive he's been that he's coming back. Um, he would give a very like, oh, you know, you never know. My future is, you know, uncertain, yada, yada. I think that's the answer he would give if he did have those plans. I think the Mexican Grand Prix is where he would do it. Um, but I just don't see it. And I think that is because he... Um, I think he feels he has a little bit more to prove and we can talk a little bit later about um, maybe whether he is really in the second best car in Formula One because I think that's kind of a thing I dispute relative to his driving style but I'm curious Alexa for your perspective. Well look I mean it came from Reddit so the report must be true right? <laughs> look um, the interesting thing here is that obviously I'm not too familiar with Paris's driving style considering that I only just got into the sport this year but after doing a little bit of research, I've kind of seen how Red Bull has kind of tinkered and navigated around their driving lineup and have essentially botched a lot of their number two drivers that haven't been able to perform to Max's level. So, for example, I'm even, even reading a report here that Gasly in 2019, even after Helmut Mark when Christian Horner had uh, made a remark stating that they weren't planning on dropping, dro dropping Gasly even after he was underperforming, ended up getting dropped, right? And Alvin suffered pretty much the exact same fate as Perez, right? So to me here, it's like his, his retirement and his, uh, the idea that he might end up leaving the, the Milton Keynes based team is it, it pretty much been up in the air all year, right? Like since his crash in Monaco, he hasn't really been performing. And given how ruthless Red Bull has been with their driver lineup and kind of basically 
putting putting to the side anybody who hasn't been performing to max's level like although, although we, they did clear up the rumor stating that this is clearly just uh just a, a fake a fake news piece like it, it's it's not far-fetched at all right i think we can both agree that like red bull's uh plans with Perez are are uh are still up in the air considering the way he's been performing and considering what they've been doing to their driver lineups in the past right like we can we can look at this and say it's probably not going to happen given what Perez and his agent have come out and stated but at the same time like I don't want to just brush to the side right if, if if he if he goes into the 2024 season and isn't performing after the first few races and we see teams like McLaren we see teams like Mercedes we, we see teams like Ferrari uh coming with better machinery and, and and performing better than Perez and despite having the best car right they might not even be the leading constructor next year right because if you look at after the summer break Red Bull hasn't been the best team not because of Mac but because of Perez right like we've seen McLaren outscore Red Bull we've seen I think even Mercedes have outscored Red Bull in in, in certain races or since the summer break have tallied more points than than Red Bull because Perez just hasn't been performing to to the level that Max says and we're not as we're not I don't think they're asking Perez to beat Max to be on the same level as Max he wasn't in 2021 and he wasn't in 2022 but I think what they want from him is to finish you know P2 P3 more regular podium appearances P4 maybe even a P5 but Marshall when I look at Japan when I look at Qatar I'm thinking to myself like what is this guy doing like DNF P10 he's getting overtaken by Alpines track limit violations right like I don't think they're asking him to be at the same level as Max but at least put up enough points so that we feel confident in our driver lineup going into the 2024 season when we know teams like McLaren and teams like Mercedes are going to come with better machinery, right? So he, going back to the story, I think we can shun this right now because the, the rumor has been cleared up. And at the same time, I'm not, I'm not brushing to the, to this to the side at all. I think that Red Bull is in fact putting pressure on Perez to finish P2 in the championship and ultimately, you know, start performing better race to race. Yeah, I, th I think that what's going to be interesting, the, the way to look at this for the future is actually how Perez does the rest of the season. I think that'll be an interesting storyline because the, the reason I'm going to, I'm going to make a, an extremely simplified explanation of why there is a discrepancy in the car, because there's a lot of talk in F1 about how um, certain cars for each team are tailored to a certain driver and then how that affects the second driver. Um, and let me just explain why that is. So, so Max and the reason why he's so, he's been so incredible in, in his entire career since 2016, when he started, he's had skills that the rest of the field just doesn't is his reaction, his ability to wheel the car, uh, a loose race car specifically. Um, and, and, and in terms of, I'll keep it simple for driving style, but there are kind of two primary driving styles there's kind of a v corner driving style and a u corner driving style and the u corner is the very typical um you know taking an apex that is as wide as the conventional racing line and you just arc the corner you make it nice and consistent you go nice and wide you get a lot of uh, runoff speed off the exit but you keep a slower pace in the middle now there's the v cornering style that max does which is you send the car further into the inside of the apex and then you do a hard flick in the middle of the corner which requires a looser race car and you get, get just a solid flick get the back end turned instead of having under steer and then just accelerating early out of the corner but taking more of a v-shape that's the difference in their two driving styles perez is a very conventional u-shaped driver whereas verstappen's always loved a loose unwieldy race car that can do that v that's why he's so good that's why he makes these incredible qualifying times that qualifies people by eight tenths and it's because they let the car be tailored to that they let it be super loose and that's why perez i've always been curious not only is he slow with the car but he wrecks constantly and that is a lot of why it is so loose on entry that if you 
if you mess up a, a corner, you come in a little bit off your apex. The car is an understeering mid corner to make up for that and make sure that it stays straight. It is gonna gonna go around on you in an instant, and that's what Perez can't deal with. So I'm curious now that Verstappen's won the driver's title and that that setup being tailored to a guy winning the driver's title every year because i think as long as they set it up that way and the car can at least compete with everybody else i think max will continue to win titles so i think it's a case of is perez good enough that with how good max is he can just be close enough to the rest of the field to win them that constructors every year but i think it'll be interesting the rest of the year because i think now that max has won they may start to change that balance a little bit make it a little bit more understeery to keep perez in the equation and it's in those races i think he has to get back not just in the top five but i think in the top three if he wants to have some proper job security for the next couple of years well that's a really good point and the funny thing is here is like he's second in the championship right like we're almost here talking as if he's he's you know p5 or p6 but he he's he's second right obviously lewis yeah. hamilton is going to catch him and we'll get into that a little bit later but the issue here is like what went wrong because if you look at every single race other than miami like he's been underperforming you know, vastly compared to how he was racing, you know, uh, in, in, um, in Miami in uh, in Jeddah in Baku, like what, what could have possibly went wrong? Because I, I, I know there's the argument to state that, you know, the, the, the car isn't tailored to his driving style as it is the Max's driving style. But at the same time, like it, earlier on in the season, like he was finishing second. Uh, he started last in Australia, ended up finishing fifth. Obviously, he he's known for kind of his, you know, comeback racing, it, starting from like the back of the field and then ending up in the, in the top 10, obviously, because he has a superior racecraft compared to the rest of the field. But I think also like, just so we can quickly touch on this before we get into our next topic, like what, what, what possibly could have went wrong? Because to me, like clearly he was more comfortable with his machinery uh, in the first uh, early stages of the season than now, right? So I think I think partially uh, it is uh, one thing I don't like to agree with when, when uh, media or um, pundits uh, claim this, but I think um, mindset and mentality is a lot of it because he came into this year. Um, I think there was a very strong Perez versus Max narrative, especially after that early win he picked up, or I think he was really dialed in. He was really buying into his own talents. And I think that it's really just dissipated you know with how many early exits he's had how much that's taken the wind out of his sails i think that is part of it where he really just he isn't able to get in that groove he's doubting himself every week and he's pushing himself too hard which is why he makes more mistakes and it's just kind of a negative feedback loop but i also think um i almost wonder how much red bull bought into the hype of max's dominance throughout the year because you think if he he started racking up that win streak pretty early on you know uh, Perez was keeping touch with him on street tracks which um, are more his uh, skill set than Max's. I think we know pretty capably. Max just uh, growing up in, in GP2 and GP3, he never really, um, or sorry, GP3 specifically. And not being familiar GP2. with the street tracks as Perez is. Yeah, exactly. He just never ran them uh, in the formulas because he was 16 when he got to F1. He never had any experience. And then F1 didn't have that many on the calendar until recently. Um, so Perez is still a little bit more tailored to those tracks. Um, but I also think it is it is just a case of they liked how much Max was dominating. And I think they, they realized how close some of the other teams were getting because McLaren picked up the pace and Mercedes picked oh, up yeah. the pace. I think they just tailored that a little bit closer to Max as Perez got worse. And they're like, why are we trying to tailor to a guy that may come third or fourth at best when we could just keep this win streak going? And I think they almost got enamored with that a little bit. Not that it's bad because, you know, making history is never bad. But I think that is kind of the skill, the mindset they took and they just kept tailoring it further and further to Max, which I don't think is a problem personally. But I think that's kind of what happened in addition to just he couldn't buy into his own skill because he'd been so terrible. Right. And look, I'm not someone that believes in luck, but I think we can both agree that 
you know, Max probably would have won that race in Jeddah had he not started 15th on the yeah. grid. He had an issue, obviously, in uh, in Q2, I think. And he got, uh, he got a little bit unlucky with the safety car, I think, in Baku. And it's a historically difficult track to overtake on. So, again, we can always talk about how, you know, pairs that have uh, better form at the early stages of the season. But then again, it's just him being in a superior racecraft and, you know, just some, some unfortunate circumstances hitting Max's way. But yeah. this kind of perfectly plays into our next segment, which is the driver's standings now. There had been other reports circulating that there is a clause in Perez's contract that he has to finish P2 in order to keep his seat for 2024 now. Lewis Hamilton is currently sitting at 194 points with five races to go, and Sergio Perez is sitting at 224 points. Now, before we get into the rest of the driver's standings, I think it's pretty normal that we first talk about this particular debate now do you think marshall lewis hamilton catches sergio Perez in the driver's standings and puts him into p3 so i i think this is actually controversial matt but i i personally think no uh, i okay. think i think perez holds on and i think the only reason is that we've we've been through a rough stretch of tracks for perez in terms of his abilities and i think we just happen to be going into a really good final five uh the reason i say that so first of all we have U, uh the u.s grand prix next week at circuit of the americas that is a Hamilton track. He dominated there all those years that he was in the Mercedes. Right. I think with the, the pace they have now, I think he's going to do really well this weekend. I would not be surprised to see him back on the podium. And he needs to bounce back after what happened in Qatar. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That, just it's been a weird period for for Hamilton relative to Russell, who I think he's really trying to prove himself yeah. uh, against. But which wasn't the case really earlier on, right? Like uh, we had, we saw Lewis no. Hamilton outperforming uh, Russell before the before the summer break, and now the tables have kind of turned, and we're seeing Russell not only outqualify Hamilton but also perform better in the races as well. It hasn't been too one-sided because Russell's winning the qualifying battle for the year. That's something a lot of people forget is, is he's really, I know he's Mr. Saturday and I know the race pace has been the question, but uh, I think he's been doing really well all year. I think Hamilton had a, you're right, had a bit of a, bit of a lean there in the first half, but I just think the rest of the calendar for Perez, the Mexican Grand Prix, obviously goes without saying he's always, he's always trying a little bit harder. I think that'll be where we see the, the effort levels and the, and the level of, of poise that he had started the year come back. Uh, Brazil is going to be tough because that's a really good Mercedes track. I think that may sway Hamilton's way. Absolutely. But we saw that last year. Yeah. Las Vegas. Yeah. Street course in Las Vegas and then Abu Dhabi that I think Red Bull proved last year. Their, their car is, is built just generally better too. Um, I think the, the, the car discrepancy, I think goes three, two for Perez over Hamilton. And I think people forget 30 points. I know Hamilton's in a good run of form, but he's really competing with a lot of guys there. And that like edge of the podium battle with the McLarens, the Ferraris and Russell. Yeah. Um, so I just don't think he picks up enough points. I think it'll be close. And I think he absolutely does make that gap smaller, but I do think Perez holds on to it just because of the tracks lucky. That has been some of the most entertaining racing I've seen all year, given that, you know, Max has dominated the entire season. Every time he's out of the equation, which has only been once, or in this case, uh, looking after P2, P3, P4, like they're literally neck and neck. And we saw that in Singapore as well, right? Like the race was yeah. literally decided by the fewest tents and it came down to, you know, the final lap, which is, you know, something we haven't seen in a very long time, considering, you know, Max's recent performances where he's won by 20, 30 seconds. But anyways, moving on, I think, one more person I did want to talk about in the driver's standings was Lando Norris. He has now leapfrogged George Russell with uh, 136 points to, to Russell's 132. And he's now only nine points behind Charles Leclerc and less than 20 points behind Carlos Sainz. Do you think he can leapfrog both of them and finish P5 behind Fernando Alonso? So I'm actually, I'm going to go a step further and maybe this is, is going to be the, the biggest hot take I make this episode. I think not only does he get the Ferraris, I think he gets Alonso. As well. Oh, and I, oh I, no way. I, I think, yeah, I, I think, so we got five races to go. I think Alonso is 
clinging on to how good that <laughs> to that tractor of an Aston Martin. <laughs> that Aston Martin is on its way out, and I, I, it's really sad to see, but I think he is just outperforming that car, and I think. As the teams have gotten better, I think Ferrari's going to get more competitive to the last couple of races. I think Perez is going to get more competitive, like I mentioned. I think Alonso is going to be pushing for like P8s, P9s. And I think Norris is at this point where I will almost be more surprised weekly if he doesn't score a podium than if he does. And oh, I wow. for Norris, I, I just think he's in such a hot run of form. And you think about, okay, so say he, he scores, um, say he averages third, which I don't think is crazy. I think he'll pick up some P2s, and I think he'll pick up some 4s and 5s. I think it'll average up to maybe about 14 points a race. Oh, wow. Five times 14, you got 70 points. That would put him where he is right now at 206. I actually think Alonzo will have a tough time. He'd need 23 points to catch that total. I don't see Alonzo scoring 23 points in the next couple of races. That's an average of eighth, and I think he is going to really be pushed out of the top 10. And of course, retirements, but I think that's my hot take. I think I think Piastri is, is going to also have a really good run of form, but he's just too far back. And, he's and way too far back. Position. Yeah, he's like 40 points behind back. Russell, 50 points. But I think I think Norris is going to have an incredible end of the year, the pace he's at, and I think next year if they can really get that car down, I don't think he competes with Max, but I think he's definitely a contender for P2 in the title. I really buy into Norris at this point, how he's looked. I guess that also kind of plays into my point that I think Carlos Sainz might even be able to catch Fernando Alonso. He's only 30 points back, and yeah, like you mentioned, I think the Aston Martin has completely seen a drop-off in pace. Not because they've gotten worse, not because they've brought the wrong upgrades to particular tracks. I just think that the other teams have gotten better. That That's literally it. Like, they just haven't been able to improve as well as the Mercedes, the Ferrari, the, the McLaren. But, and, and one more thing I wanted to bring up in the standings, Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon. So they're now, there's now two points separating the two Alpine drivers. Gasly's on 46, Ocon's on 44. If you can go back to Suzuka when they let Ocon pass Gasly on the final lap and Gasly just absolutely started having a temper, temper tantrum in his car, punching the wheels, screaming, swearing. Like he's really taking this battle with Esteban seriously. I don't know, before we jump into our final predictions for, for the season, who do you think is going to come out on top between, between the two Frenchmen? Uh, realistically, I'm a guy who buys into Gasly's talent a lot. I want to say Gasly, but I think the big stat you got to look at is DNFs. Alcon has six, Gasly has two this year. And yeah. I think it, it, the fact that they are two points apart, Gasly's got the narrow advantage. Um, but I think there is merit this year for why Alcon's doing it. And I give him a lot of credit because he's a guy that's really grown since he got into F1, whereas a lot of guys kind of dissipate from their F2 pace. And right. I think Gasly's like Logan Sargent. Yes, well, he, he never should have been an F1 to begin with, but I, I, I think uh, I think Gasly should have the raw pace, but I think Alcon, what he does with the car, um, and those DNFs, that was a lot of uh, tech issues. That wasn't really him having yeah. trouble with crashes, whereas Gasly's a little bit more reckless at times. So I think Ocon picks it up narrowly, but I understand Gasly's frustration, and if it were my choice, I think they let them race him out. Yeah. And I think Gasly does have a hotter year next year, which I guess I've been saying the last couple of years, so maybe that's my worst take of the, of the day, but... I think Alcon just narrowly, just because he per race had more. You bring up a good point with the DNFs because Alcon would have probably leapfrogged Gasly in the championship had he not DNF'd in, uh, in Singapore, sure. right? So, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, from an emotional standpoint, maybe I'm leaning more towards Esteban, even though I like Gasly as a driver more. I just, I don't see Esteban behaving the way that, that Gasly would have been. Again, I'm, I am so for drivers having that, you know, killer, like, uh, hardcore mentality of you're not going to beat me if you're my teammate. I, I'm I'm so for that. I just I don't know. I I just I something about Gasly with the way he behaves has kind of like rubbed a lot of the of the of the fan base in the F1 community the wrong way. So, but yeah, I guess right before we close this out, I want to give you my final prediction on what I think might happen uh, with the few remaining races. And <laughs> we just mentioned him a while ago, but Logan Sargent 
will score his first points at the Las Vegas Grand Prix. <laughs> long straight, Marshall. Long straight. Come on. Formula One, 101. Long straight equals Williams dominance. Yeah. You're not wrong about that. I think the only way that happens is if it's a race of attrition, which wouldn't surprise me. Uh, the drivers and, and more importantly, the teams don't know the track. So I think the setups will be weird. I think the teams will struggle a little bit, especially because it'll be low downforce because of that long straight away. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see it. And I... I want to. I like it. If there's any track it'll happen at, it is there. But just like Sergeant Man, we need to stop doing this as an F1 collective. The guy wasn't great in F2. We put him in F1 and expected him to get better, and he just hasn't. And uh, the only way you're getting a good American in Formula One is if you bring over one of the guys from IndyCar. That's the way I see it. It's just, I, I don't know why they thought that was going to work. And I understand they need the money, and I understand that the American fan base is big. But Boy, howdy, was he not the right guy. But I, I can give you, before we cap off as well, I'm going to give you maybe one hot take each week to end it off. Um, and th maybe this isn't a, a super huge hot take to, to start to, to finish episode one, um, but I'm going to say Max doesn't win all the races the rest of the calendar. I, I don't yes. think he wins his way yes. out. Uh, and I, you God know, help that's us. exciting for those that have only seen a dominance this year and want to see something different. Uh, I'm going to call that, speaking of Las Vegas, I think either a Mercedes or Charlotte Claire. Yeah, that is all the time we have for today, folks. Uh, again, I'm Alexa. Hi, I'm Marshall. It's and, a pleasure uh, to get we'll this podcast started with you. <laughs> Take care, guys. We'll see you next time.